0: A few weeks ago, my friend Giannu Caldwell spoke before the House Judiciary Committee addressing the violence in Chicago, a problem that continues to get worse after it took the life of his own brother. 18-year-old Christian was one of two people killed in a shooting that happened in June of 2022 on Chicago's South Side. According to police, the attack had nothing to do with Christian. He was just an innocent victim. Still, Giano has yet to get to the bottom of his brother's senseless murder and has become a very loud and vocal critic of the leadership in Chicago as crime statistics continue to go up there and across other big cities in the U.S. According to reports, Chicago has led the U.S. in killings for 11 straight years, sometimes eclipsing the combined annual murder tallies of New York and Los Angeles. Giano says this tragedy is happening to so many families. He wants to be part of a bipartisan solution. Giano agreed to join me again to talk about his day in front of Congress and the slow and painful process trying to get answers after the senseless, tragic death of his brother Christian. Giano, how did it feel testifying in Congress?
1: Well, Janice, I got to tell you, it was a, a privilege and an honor to be before people who care about an issue that's been such a passion of mine for many years, uh, but especially after my brother was murdered on June 24th last year, innocently. Uh, and I got to tell you, there's so many families who, who needed that time and attention before Congress, whether they be there or not, to have their stories shared was, uh, I think, a, a real privilege in my opening statement. I talked about Jocelyn Adams, who uh, was a seven-year-old girl who's, who was murdered in the backseat of a car while her family was going through a McDonald's drive through And shortly after, I received a message, a DM from her dad, thanking me for elevating her name in that way. Mm. That was a, a five-month-year-old who was murdered on the same day as my brother, June 24th last year, Cecilia. To talk about these folks, to put a real face to the names and to the stories, um I think is an honor and is one that comes with with great responsibility as we continue this journey to try to get justice for families, uh ensure that Congress can do what they do to at least put pressure on the local lawmakers to do their jobs and and do the one job that they've been elected to do, which should be their number one priority, the protection of all of its citizens so I'm, I'm really thankful for Jim Jordan and his committee, and uh, they told me that they want me to continue down this road with them as they go to multiple other cities and, of course, mark up bills to change laws in some of these areas.
0: And so what has happened since your brother died tragically?
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's been a fight, Janice. As you know, uh, someone who's been on the front lines of, of the fight with your, your, um, your parent-in-laws, your in-laws, That it doesn't come easily uh oftentimes even while having a platform in fox news channel you can get the exposure uh, but at the same time it may not make a difference to those who aren't doing their jobs uh, as you saw with governor uh, Cuomo. but in this element since my brother was murdered has been a fight with the chicago police at times they've ignored my calls wouldn't respond to me until i would go on television and talk about it and then all of a sudden they would call me back mm after a year of inaction um, and i come to, to the knowledge that someone was actually arrested in an unrelated case uh, literally three weeks after my brother was murdered we didn't find out about it until this year and then from a deeper dive and finding out who the person was and police report and looking through all these documents the federal government the fbi specifically came in and began to investigate this individual for multiple uh, crimes, federal crimes, including a RICO. So they got involved in August of last year, and I've been trying to utilize the platform to get before the FBI after the one year mark hit with my brother Christian. Now it wasn't until, and I'm telling you, I've done so much. I have wrote about it, I've talked about it on air. Um, I've called the 800 number of the FBI, asking them to get in touch with me, multiple times, can I speak with an agent in the Chicago field office, no one responded to me. I've had former FBI agents call uh, other current FBI agents to call the Chicago field office multiple times, no one got back to me. But it wasn't until the FBI director came before the House Judiciary Committee, and there was supposed to be a question asked about my brother, but it didn't happen because of the back and forth that this one particular congressman was having. Um, there were two chairmen that sit on that Judiciary Committee that put in letters for the record um, asking about my brother and apparently uh, the the um, director of the FBI his office has to respond within 30 days within that period of time I received a call from the special agent in charge of the Chicago FBI field office and I've been working with him directly Um, as he's told me he's putting resources agents to investigate my brother's murder. So I'm thankful for that 100%. I'm looking forward to a, a very positive conclusion, especially since they have someone in custody. I'm not sure about the other people because the reporting showed that it was three to four men who got out of a black SUV and began firing into the crowd. So I'm not sure what, what's going on with those other folks, but I'm at least thankful to have the FBI involved in this investigation of my brother. And it appears that they're not going to spare any uh, resources.
0: But how frustrating, right? I mean, it just, we're so lucky we have a platform. You are somebody that is never going to let this go until you find out the truth. But what about all those people that don't have our resources?
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. And and that becomes the the question. Uh, Because despite us having all these resources, these connections. I know you have very powerful people who will call you and text you and speak out on your behalf, and as do I. Uh, but what I saw is it didn't make as much of a difference for the people who were in charge of making the decisions to get justice for my brother. But at the same time, at the same time, I do recognize the fact that it has made some difference for other people who may not have gotten any mm. media attention at all. Yes. Or maybe they had a GoFundMe where they were trying to really support their families after the tragedy had occurred and we we're able to highlight and, and and bring that greater visibility before a national audience who, you know, you know this and I know this too, our, our, our audience, our fans, our viewers are very generous people. Mm-hmm. They want to see justice be served. Whether it be about crime, whether it be about COVID, these individuals are supportive and they want to to be involved in the solutions um, versus what we've seen uh, across the country. So what about those folks? Building coalitions of those people to try to get justice in their cases one way or another is what I'm doing right now.
0: Mm-hmm. And what do you tell somebody that, you know, is waking up this morning and something has happened to their family and they just feel like they can't do it anymore. They can't make the phone calls, write the emails, go to the picket lines. Um, what do you say?
1: I say that you should take a moment to yourself. You should process what has happened and then you should fight. Mm. Because if you don't fight, no one else is. That's just the plain truth. If You're unwilling to speak out on behalf of your family and yourself when a tragedy has hit your family, when it's arrived at your front door. There's not many other people who are willing to rally behind you. But when you're rallying, you inspire the confidence of many to come to your side, to support you, to see what has happened to you and have the empathy to put themselves in your shoes, even though they really can't truly do that. Mm -hmm. I know that there's a lot that goes on in the news and we cover a lot of different story about horrors and people doing very negative things, nefarious actors all over. But we do live in a country where people believe in justice. We do live in a country where people legitimately want to help. We do live in a country um, where there is a greater good. I know it's been hard to find there's been a lot of dark spots that we've seen across our country at especially in the last uh five to ten years. but there is a lot of good out there, and I want to focus on that to ensure that people can have some help in a way in which um they may not necessarily get on a the day to day they may not necessarily expect, but thanks beyond to God for putting us in positions of And to be honest with you, positions of power to be able to help people. And I think that's most important. That's what I would say.
0: Mm -hmm. And you meet people along the way, too, that you never would have normally met. And you feel so grateful for having those people support you and you do the same for them.
1: That's exactly right, Janice. I'm 100 percent.
0: Don't go anywhere. We'll have more of the Janice Dean podcast right after this.
1: Listen to the all-new Brett Bear Podcast, featuring common ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites,
0: like his All-Star panel, and much more. Available now at Foxnewspodcasts.com or
1: wherever you get your podcasts.
0: How do you think this has changed you?
1: Wow, that is a powerful question. One I don't even think anyone has ever mentioned to me. No one's asked. How has this changed me? That is wow. You know, Janice. I remember when I first got involved in public service when I was 14 years old. And I have pictures in the Chicago Defender newspaper walking side by side, shoulder to shoulder with uh former Chicago mayor Richard M. Daly, uh superintendent of Chicago police, Terry Hillard, my alderman, Fadrina Lyle, and other folks. It was a, a anti-violence march that I stood up in the front of and I said, I want to ensure that there's safety and security for my community. I was 14 years old, just a kid. And I've been talking about it on the network for years, as you know, before my brother was murdered. How has this changed me? It's given me a front row seat to what people have gone through and what they go through when these tragedies hit. It has shown me that a system that is in place right now, you talk about progressive prosecutors not doing their jobs, you talk about mayors, who have policies like a no chase policy where you have to um, call your supervisor to chase a suspect where they can legitimately get away before you even have a chance to to really have a conversation with your supervisor. It's taught me that soft on crime policies are harmful in a way that literally can be the end of someone's life, um, today, tomorrow, and the next hour. But what it's given me is a resolve that I didn't really know that was there resilience, to fight harder than I ever have. And I'm going to tell you, one-year mark hit. I felt defeated. I felt like a failure because I hadn't yet seen justice for my brother. But then I had to talk to myself and say, look, the fight isn't over. It's a long road. I mean, they just got Tupac's killer of somebody, in this case, 25 years ago. From 25 years ago. So, you know, this is a journey. I, I shouldn't beat myself up over what I don't necessarily see, but what could actually be there. You know, I didn't know that there was a guy that was arrested three weeks after my brother's murder, but it had happened. So I think I have much more resolve and resilience than I ever have because I simply have no choice. Mm.
0: Yes, and it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It really is. It is, is, and
1: you've proven that. (laughs) You've proven that.
0: Yeah, and you you use the resources that you have. And just because the news moves on the news cycle doesn't mean that we're not continuing our fight behind the scenes i've learned that it's not a year it's not a few years it could be 10 years it could be 20 years i might not see uh the results of what i've been fighting for until after i'm gone you know it's just it's just you have to continue to get up every day and say, how am I going to make a difference? And it's taking a very long time, but you do have to have that resolve that justice will prevail, but sometimes it takes a long time. How is your family doing otherwise? And if
1: if I can not just respond to what you just said, uh, just one point that you may, you may not see the results uh, of your fight. And you know, I know what results you're referring to. You're talking about people who come the policies in which you put out, which which impacted your family in a very negative way. But let me tell you, Janice, you've inspired. Thousands to millions of people across the country, you've given them the will to fight for themselves. You've been unrelenting. And, and in fact, I've seen you since. My, the tragedy happened with my brother, and I see you on, on Instagram and Twitter and the conversations in which you're having, and it, it has inspired me to continue the fight. It's like, wow, Janice, two years later, she's still—three years later, she's still going in. Hmm. And I, I would say the results, the, the, the inspiration in which you provided for people, those results we've already are seeing and will continue to see. So thank you.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, we all sometimes need to be each other's cheerleaders. And I know you and I have had conversations where I'm telling you to keep going and it's discouraging yeah. and it's hard to get out of bed some days, but you just continue. I mean, there's still things I'm trying to do in Washington, D.C., and there's things I'm trying to do with other families that are hopefully going to to work and 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 pave the way for – so that this kind of thing never happens again, and you have yeah. to sort of be optimistic that way. But I want to know how your family is doing. Um, mm. You know, I I talk to you obviously, but your mom and and your other siblings.
1: I mean, Jan largely folks feel broken. Mm. Today is uh, uh, my grandmother's birthday. And I, I'm I'm going I called her once already. She didn't answer, but I'll call her again after this conversation. She didn't even come to the funeral mm-hmm. because she wanted to remember my brother as he was. And as grief has taken hold of my family, what gives them just a bit of hope, a glimmer of hope, is the fact that there's the propensity uh for us to get justice in a big way. And I think they, they appreciate that the FBI is now involved and they feel a little bit of comfort in that. Um, but I don't think, and, uh, and this is based on even conversations I had with my my dear friend, Dr. Jupinski, uh, who said, look, you're never going to get over this. Mm. The only thing that you can do is try to help other families to advance the legacy of your brother. And it's the same with you, Janice. You never get over it. Apparently, but you've been doing the advocacy to help other people in some way, shape or form, and that gives a bit of comfort mm-hmm. that gives a bit of peace it makes it feel meaningful my brother's my brother's murder was a senseless loss, but it doesn't have to be a meaning a, a meaningless one and that's that's where I am right now like if we can help people, we can help people if we can give people a little bit of knowledge in which we've ascertained uh, along this journey. Connections, as you have with me, have you you call me here, reach out to this person, they're waiting your call, reach out to, you know, those kind of things are helpful beyond measure in ways that we don't know, and even speaking before Congress, I said, look, you know, maybe there's a way that you guys can provide a a little bit of funding for funerals for innocent victims Mm -hmm. of violent crime because a lot of these folks they can't afford funerals. When I saw how big that funeral bill that I had to pay for my brother. It's like, wow, how can someone who lives in these areas who who may be poor, how can they afford this kind of stuff? Yes. And that becomes the conversation.
0: Yes. Sometimes, though, it takes it feels like you're up against a machine, right? It's just like you're one because you are
1: (laughs) you are (laughs) it's the system for sure.
0: But I'm so glad that you think of those little details that might help someone else down the line. Um, You know, what's what's the next step for you?
1: Well, there's there's a lot of next steps. I have something uh, in terms of advocacy that I'm looking to, to put together, something I've been pondering for a while that could help uh, put an end to some of these policies that we've seen. Um, things that I I can directly point to uh, and say that, hey, I, I believe at least by way of the creation of these progressive soft on crime policies, the mentality that exists in Chicago uh similar to one that it, 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 well, maybe not as bad in DC but if you're mm. carjacking a, a sitting member of congress yes i mean yes you know the things have gotten fairly bad so what can i do from an advocacy standpoint that can change the dynamic is what i'm working on right now so i'm not ready to share all the all the details i can have a conversation with you offline but I'm focused fully on that. Like, how can I pay it it forward? Ronald Reagan said we're one generation away from extinction. And if you got people who are living in fear of going out of their house, people are being murdered left and right, shot, robbed, carjacked. um, I think, you know, we're we're really in a place where Gotham city could explode all over the country unless there's a change in the trajectory policy wise um, with these local jurisdictions. So, that's been my full focus for some months now. And uh, soon enough, I'll be ready to reveal what that is.
0: Good for you. Are you gentler with yourself? I remember the last time we spoke, I feel sometimes that you blamed yourself in some way, uh, yes. you know, how, if you could have done something to prevent his death. I mean, I want you to forgive yourself. You know, I want you to feel I don't want you to carry that anymore.
1: Well, and, and and I appreciate that. And I had conversations since then, which has given me uh, much more peace. It wasn't that I could have, per se, saved him. My, my thought was, well, I could have moved him into mm-hmm. Miami. I could have moved him out of Chicago. I know how bad Chicago is. And our last conversation on your podcast, uh, where he told me he was concerned for his safety mm-hmm. because so many of his friends had been murdered. Yes. So I, I had that on my head. I thought about that. But I also thought about the fact that when he felt like um, there was something going on that he, he needed to chat with me about, he was always willing to answer the phone. And of course, he wasn't the target of this situation. Um, so it happened like it has happened to countless other people in mm-hmm. Chicago. And that's not something that I can necessarily control. Yes. So. I I've I've come to some realizations around that. I don't blame myself at all, but immediately I thought, what could I have done because I'm the protector of my family. My grandmother has even called me and said, "Look, we all in the family look up to you." Mm. And that's such a very profound statement to make because, you know, and my grandmother, she's in her 70s. You know, everybody's much older than me, so why would people be looking up to me? But it makes sense why she would say that. And I understand and receive that in the way in which she meant it, which is I'm going to continue to fight for my family. I'll stand up for them in whatever way makes sense. And I'll continue to push for justice for my brother and many others throughout the the city of Chicago and across the nation.
0: I'm so proud of you. I really am. Um, You know, I watched you and... It's, um, it's quite something to be, you know, have your words in Congress and written for history. And that isn't lost on me. Um, and it was, you know, there it was something profound about that for me to do that in their honor in my mother and father in law's honor. And did you feel the same way that that, that was an important moment?
1: It was an extremely important moment, and it's one I have been working on for uh, many, many months since last year when I reached out to Congressman Burgess Owens over text, and I said, "Hey, I need to speak with you right away. I want to get a bipartisan letter." After we had our conversation, a bipartisan letter. I'm um, asking the FBI to get involved in my brother's case, and you know, we've talked about congressional hearings. I had been working with his chief of staff behind the scenes, and many other folks. So it was absolutely an honor. It was certainly something I'll be forever humbled by. And more importantly, I think, is what we can get done, utilizing the power of the purse, the congressional purse, to curtail DOJ grants, which goes to a lot of these local government agencies. And if those folks don't want to enforce the laws that they should be enforcing, the protection of their citizens then those grants should be curtailed. So to be able to have those kind of discussions, mention policies that I think deserve more funding, things that Congress had already passed. I think that's a really important step forward for the future of generations. Uh, As I mentioned about Ronald Reagan, we we gotta be able to preserve uh, the many lives that do matter across our country um, who are um, unconscionably being lost because of policies put forth by a very few group of people. Mm-hmm.
0: And this is not about whose side you're on, Democrat, it's Republican. It's not politics. It's, it's not, not politics. But, the,
1: the, but, there, but there is a group of folks who've chosen to make decisions that's contrary to everyone else. These yes. are things that back in, in 95 or 97 or whatever the case may be, that no matter what party you are a part of, no one would think to do these extreme things. Mm-hmm. Just like you talking about Cuomo isn't about him being a Democrat. It All has right. nothing to do with it. It's about the fact that these individuals have decided to implement policies that's counterintuitive to public safety. Mm-hmm. And they have to be called out for it. And there seems to be a national trend that not even seem to be, it is a national trend that's going to see the ramifications of it through the increase increase in overall crime the rates are up in chicago new york philadelphia everywhere you look we're seeing an uptick uh washington dc again the congressman being uh carjacked yes these are very serious very serious substantive issues and at the end of the day it's the lives that matter who are being impacted day in and day out somebody's mother won't be there someone's daughter an infant won't have a life. Uh, there was just maybe, a matter of fact, uh, last week, I think it was last week or the week before last, there was an 86 year old man in Chicago carjacked and murdered in the streets. Yeah. Like uh, the value of life has eroded across the country. Mm-hmm. It was Chicago for a long period of time, but it's not just Chicago. There's been many other states and localities that have, have locked hands with these folks that are creating. Policies that are systematically endangering the lives of their citizens. And we got to speak out. We got to be vocal. And we have to save lives, lives Janice Dean. God
0: bless you, Giano. I'm so proud Thank of you. Thank you so much. And, you know, to be continued, I want I want updates. I know our audience wants updates. And I know they're so proud of you, too, um, because it's not easy. Um, but you're the guy. You're the one. You're the one that can make a difference. And I think a lot of families are grateful for that.
1: Well, simply put, I have no choice. I I didn't choose this life. Certainly didn't want it. But since I'm here, you might as well do the best with a bad situation. And I would encourage everyone that's listening to certainly keep up with me on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Gianno Caldwell. That's spelled G-I-A. N-N-O, Caldwell, C-A-L-D-W-E-L-L. Thank you so much, Janice.
0: You are very welcome, my friend. And I'm always here for you. You know that.
1: I, I know. I know. I thank you so much for that, my friend.
0: Thanks again to Gianno Caldwell for joining me for an important conversation about crime in America and his crucial voice and experience that is making a difference for other families. If there's one thing I know about advocacy, it's something that becomes part of your being forever. There isn't a day that goes by when you don't think about what's happened and how you will continue to try to be part of a solution so that other families don't have to go through what you have. Thank you to all of my listeners. If you have someone you think should make the Dean's List, let me know at Janestine on Twitter or FNC on Instagram